be a hero, strong and courageous as Socrates at the moment he was offered hemlock, brave and bold as Ulysses returning home after a twenty-year absence. But there is also something heroic about running away from it all, like Huck and Jim, floating down a river like a child adrift from all cares and responsibilities. As the boy lies in bed unable to sleep, he considers his choices. At the moment, all he can do is wait. For all he knows, his father may not come home tonight. In many ways, that might be best. If his father were out of the picture for good, then the boy could stop wondering if he is destined to become him. Just wanting his father gone is an evil thought, a sin, one of many to be added to the list he has begun to compile. Although this is yet another sin, the boy already knows that God the Father and all the saints in heaven will never be of any use to him. Only he can save himself. In order to do so, he has divided his life into separate, self-sealing, waterproof compartments. Unlike his father, he will never sink to the bottom of any sea. Far too strong and much too determined, he has a face for the father who does not come home, a face for the mother who is there even when he does not want her to be, a face for his great-uncle the priest, to whom he never tells the complete truth even in confession and yet another face for the uncle who has succeeded in business, but is not at all what he seems to be. Dreaming with his eyes wide open about heroes he has only met in books, the boy lies in bed, unable to sleep. Tim Leary is waiting. For what? He does not know. In his long and eventful life it is but the first of many questions to which he will never find an answer. No child chooses his place of birth or the family into which he is born. Every child does, however, select the adults after whom he patterns himself. Early in his childhood, Tim Leary made a conscious decision to identify with his father's family. To him they seemed urban, urbane, well-to-do, and glamorous. Far more than his father, it was his paternal grandfather Dennis that Tim Leary would most closely resemble as an adult. A watchmaker by trade, Dennis Leary conducted his business for 45 years in a jewelry store on State Street in downtown Springfield. Eight feet wide and 36 feet deep, the store housed his extensive collection of theater programs, including one for Our American Cousin on the night Abraham Lincoln was assassinated by John Wilkes Booth in Ford's Theater. Dennis also collected old baseball guides. He filled scrapbooks with articles that interested him. At his death, he had 120 of them. A great student of Shakespeare, Dennis often journeyed to Boston to take in shows starring such actors as E.L. Davenport, his favorite, Edwin Booth, and Edwin Forrest at the Boston and Howard Theaters. Until the end of his life, he could recite from memory long passages from his favorite plays. At the age of 75, Dennis liked to embarrass his teenage granddaughters and their boyfriends by yanking aside the velvet curtain separating the front hall from the parlor in his fine Victorian house at 254 Central Street. Stepping forward as though on stage, he would launch without preamble into Othello's final soliloquy. Plunging an imaginary dagger into his chest, he would end his impromptu performances by falling dead to the floor. More than 60 years after his death, one of his great-great-granddaughters affectionately described him as a little eccentric and given to theatrical moments. 
It was on the top floor of his house where Dennis kept his large theatrical library that his grandson first remembered meeting him. On a wintry evening, ten-year-old Tim Leary sat on the floor reading a copy of Mark Twain's Life on the Mississippi as Dennis complained about his children, calling them all hell-raising illiterates, praising Tim for being the only one in the family who really liked to read. Dennis told his grandson never to do anything like anyone else. He urged him to find his own way and be one of a kind. Embroidered on a heraldic shield, the words could have served as the Leary family motto. For Dennis never did anything by half. Neither would his grandson. A photograph of Dennis and his wife Sarah, taken in 1925, reveals a good deal about them. Already married for 58 years, Dennis and Sarah stand together in front of their house. The look on Sarah's face plainly says that all this is silly business and hardly worth the bother.